humble ourselves as we come, Lord. Lord, open the eyes of our heart that we may see you today, so that we may live for you, because your name is above every day. You are and should be the center of our lives. And Lord, we just ask as we hear the reading of your word, as we hear the proclaiming of your message, Lord, that we, your word sinks into our heart, that we may live a life for you. And Lord, we ask for this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'm not missing something, am I? Okay, here we go. All right, our lesson's going to come out of the book of Luke. Now, we'll be in Luke for a couple weeks now here coming up. Uh, Luke, it'll be chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And when you study the book of Luke, it seems... That from around chapter 10 to chapter 16, that Luke just wrote down a bunch of sayings of Jesus. Not all these sayings are in chronological order as they actually happen. Uh, one day when we study the Bible, that's how there's sometimes a difference in the words or the order of things in the other Gospels. But that's not our important today, though. And so he just seems to kind of rattle along. And one of the things that we do wrong in devotional time and in prayer time and read the Bible time, you know, we're famous for these one-minute devotions, are we not? And I'm not talking that if you're doing those, those are great. We read one or two lines and we move on. When was the last time that you sat down and read the book, like the book of Luke, all the way through? From beginning to end, uh, maybe in one or two settings. It's not actually that long in, in the real world. Uh, and when you start reading it in longer sections, you start realizing things are connected together. That Luke is actually making a point in this. Because you've got to go back to chapter 1. Why was Luke even writing for? Why did he even write the letter? Uh, or the, It's actually a letter, but we call it the book. Why did he even write it? It was to give an orderly account. An orderly account to those saints before that, that, that philosophist guy. He would give an orderly account of things going on. And so he, Luke put it in his way and his order. He studied it, he, he wrote it down there, and that's how we got it. So I'm just going to back up to chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12, but it actually, it, it's rolling forward there. Uh, you can go back and forth. Because chapter 12 starts off with hypocrisy. It starts off the very first thing, chapter 12, verse 1, and about the first five chapter, or verses there, talks about don't be a hypocrite. Don't say... You're doing one thing and do something else. That's what a hypocrite is, correct? Don't say you're a Christian and that Jesus is the Lord of your life and money is your master or time is your master or a relationship, something else. Don't be a hypocrite. Number two, he tells us to fear God. To fear God. And in fact, Proverbs, this is that wisdom comes in the beginning. The first thing for wisdom is to fear God. Not to fear God as in I'm worried he's going to strike me dead with lightning. Uh, he would have already done that to half of us, if, if, anyways, if that was going to happen. But the fear of God, give this reverence to God. Give this reverence to God. Uh, and then, you know, be, say you're going to be a Christian, don't be a hypocrite. Have, give respect to the Lord, confess Christ. Because if you confess Christ, Christ will confess you before the Father. And then the parable of, or the story of the rich fuel, fuel, fool, which we're going to cover today. But yet the next one is just as good, don't worry. Don't worry. And see, you see where these are lining up together here? These things are lining up together. 
And it's like a puzzle that each chapter and each verse, that they, they stick together. So let's back up to the parable of the rich fool. Uh, the rich fool. Uh, verse 13, start off from there. We got, the, we got that on the slide there? My slide guy up there, I'm telling you what, dock his pay 10%. Uh, the one from the crowd said to him, him being Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Isn't that kind of funny? This is what Jesus is telling these people. Who made me judge arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Jesus being the one said to them, Heed and beware of the covetous, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Used to be before I was really walking with Christ or trying to walk with Christ, I used to have that bumper sticker, the man that dies with the most toys wins. And I lived that life. Then I got married to a woman with children, that life. But that's a whole different story. Uh, but so uh, then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and, there shall, and, and I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of God for the people of God. As a child, my dad taught us, and I bet you every man here, your father probably taught you the same thing. The mark of a good man is a man that takes care of his family. The man that makes money. Has a nice house, you know, make sure you provide for your wife and your children. Uh, you have a savings account, and when you die, you leave something for your children. How, I mean, that's, and there's nothing really wrong with that. There's nothing really wrong with that at all. I am not a prosperity gospel uh, preacher, meaning that if you uh, come, uh, if you do all these things, X, Y, and Z, God will just overflow you with blessings and money, because I know too many people that do all the X, Y, and Z things. And they're dirt poor, but they're usually happy people, but they're dirt poor. Uh, and, and I'm not the poor man's gospel. If you have worked hard, you have saved hard, and you have done those things, and you have a nice house, nice car, you got to go on vacation, I am not the one that says that those are bad either. That's a, to me, it's a blessing from God. If you've worked hard, you saved hard, and you've had the nice things, that's a blessing from God. If that is not where your treasure is. You understand what I'm saying there real quick? If that's not where your treasure is, it's okay to have nice things if you're doing right by God. It's okay to have nice things. Or you have a nice car, a nice motorcycle, a boat, uh, whatever else, if you're doing right by God. Uh, God doesn't say you can't have nice things. But what happens many times to those who get money, that all of a sudden becomes their priority. Those who invest, I know people that watch the stock market left and right, and they go along. In the Air Force, I had a guy that worked for me that was a millionaire, and he had a gold certificate on the back of his wall that he was a millionaire. And him and his wife, he had no kids, both of them were in the military, and that's what they did. That was his hobby, 
was invested into the stock market. Man, it sounds pretty cool. And then once you get a million, I guess it's obvious easier to get a couple because he had two or three of those gold certificates, millionaire, what kind of millionaire he was. We both retired about the same time. Uh, in fact, he retired a little before me. And then in 2008, he was, him and his wife, uh, they, they were both retired senior NCOs. They, he didn't have to have a job. Buy a house, pay cash for it out by Vegas, between Vegas and California. Didn't have to do anything. Him and his wife were going to be 38 years old and retired for the rest of their life because they had the money. What a life, is it not? 2008, what happened? He calls me. I mean, literally in tears, he calls me. He's just talking about 2008, all these things that have gone on. And he said he invested in Enron. Okay, those who know anything about Enron invested in Enron. And he sat there and he says, Can you, he says, did you lose anything in the stock market? Hold on, let me check. I can, I can talk to my stockbroker right now. Jesus, did I lose anything? Nope, I'm good. My treasure is still secure. Uh, my treasure is still secure. There's nothing wrong with investing in the stock market. There's nothing wrong with having a bank account. There's nothing wrong with say, working hard and saving. But when that becomes your life, and that you cannot share that with others that God has called you to share it with, that's where the sin, the sin becomes in there. Uh, so, so it's okay to have these things, but yet don't make them about your life. Jesus needs to be the center of your life. Uh, uh, when I went on, the, when I first kind of got in the ministry, Candy was really involved in the United Methodist Women, and I used to be the roadie. I used to call, I'd go help her set up. And I don't know if anybody knows Diane Shedd. She's the associate pastor over at, uh, at First. She was, and she is again the associate pastor at First United Methodist Church. Great lady. Uh, she did this uh, Bible study, an effort by the sea, Methodist Women's Missions Bible Study on Mexico, the poor of the poorest in Mexico. And she talked this thing, and she said this one thing that just nailed it home with me. It may not affect you, but nailed it home with me. How many of you have excess clothes in your house? Better yet, how many of you have a t-shirt, a favorite t-shirt, that one day, or a pair of pants, women, it could be a dress or something like that, that one day I will lose the weight and get back into it? <laughs> Give it away today. When you go home, take it because it ain't going to happen. If you ain't lost it in 50 weeks or you know, 50 years or whatever, it ain't going to happen. I used to have these shirts, and I, would have, I, mean, I had a whole closet of things. It seems like retiring from the airport when I go to the gym every day, and Tammy used to cook. Boy, the weight just started adding. And being a pastor of a church, the weight just started adding. One day I'm going to get back into these 36 pants. I gave that dream up, people. <laughs> I, just, I just gave it up. Tammy's uh, like, well, you know, if you're between a 40 and a 42, maybe by the 40, maybe you lose some weight. No, by the 44. I'll wear, <laughs> I'll, I'll wear suspenders until I can grow into them, okay? <laughs> you know? I mean, we just cut it to the chase. But how much excess do you have in your house? Let me give you another exercise to do. Go home and pretend you have to move. You got 30 days to pack up everything you own and move. We do this every several years. <laughs> I hate moving. We did it every four years we built there. I hate moving. I have thrown more stuff away. And then we moved, and I'm not complaining, I'm just taking facts. We moved, 
our other parsonage was about a 22 to 2,500 square foot home, and the house we happened to be renting was about 1,400 square feet or 1,500 square feet. I got a garage where Tammy's gone because I collect, if this item goes bad, I collect the wall wart. I'll need that one day. Or the, 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 the cable for like the TV, you know, the TV got rid of the TV, but still got that three-pronged cable. I'll need. Yeah, I got a Tupperware bin full of this, and how do I know I got a Tupperware bin full of it? We had a snake in the garage the other day that crawled in there and Tanner had to get it out. I was going to land And so he got this stuff scattered all over half the garage. And so Tammy said, get that stuff out of here. When are you going to use it? I mean, I got, I got wall warts from 10, 10, 15 years ago. I guess it's time to let go of those things. Uh, you know, life is short. I mean, here we go along. We collect things. We build things up. And what happens when in our time, our, the Lord's going to call us home? Who's going to get all that stuff? I have been in the ministry long enough and had to help families distribute stuff. And, you know, the thing is, when you're at a church long enough and you really get to know somebody, you get to know their passion and what they love, and they, and they just have a love. And right before I come here, there's a, a guy I knew that had a passion for pocket knives, and he had displays and all this stuff about pocket knives. I mean, he had a room with a wall full of pocket knives. Passes away suddenly. Well, the son and the two grandkids, not a one of them, give a hoot about pocket knives. And it's hard to say this guy was so passionate about it and they're just being spread out everywhere. They're just being spread out everywhere. That's just life, people. That's just life. Life is short. Life is short. And what we need to understand in life, it's not against you collect something, collect it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to get that. But when you're living your life, and here's the question is, here's this problem, this guy's problem in this story that Jesus brings up. Man, I got enough. I don't need it. I don't need God. I don't need nobody. In fact, the church of Lacedaemonia in, in Revelation chapter 3, that is the problem with that church. That is the problem. The church is so abundant, have so much abundance, that they don't think they need God anymore. That's why they become a reward. Man, I got my salvation. We're going to talk about salvation later. I got my salvation. I got all the things that I need. I got my house. I got my wife. I got my kids. I got my dogs. I got my motorcycle. I got all the things that I need. I'm happy. I really don't give a hoot about the person out there that doesn't have anything and that is lost and doesn't know who Jesus is. Because me, I'm secure in my salvation. I'll blow that bubble later on, not in this sermon, but later down the road. But, but so, is our life leading towards Christ? Is Christ the center of our life? Is Christ the center of our life? Is the church, is the church, is, is literally, is the church wrapped around Jesus? Is Jesus the leader of the church? And the church's business is what? The church only has one business. We have business meetings, but there's only one business of the church. There's only one thing that this church has been called to do, is to save souls and make the disciples of Jesus Christ. That's it. We haven't been called to do anything else, save souls and make disciples of Jesus Christ. The other things we do is hopefully either saving souls or building disciples of Jesus Christ, and all the other things that we do. And so we need to understand, we need to understand where we're at, what we're doing here. It's, it's, it's a serious question that we need to ask ourselves, because Paul says, live a life in such a way, run the race that you will receive the crown, the crown, the crown of life. 
When you die, and number one, you don't really die. The body ceases to live. You need to understand this. The body ceases to live. The tent, Paul calls it the tent. I'll do a sermon on death. I got the sermon on death. Because you need to know what the next step is. Paul says, absent from the body, the presence of the Lord. For those who are saved, absent from the body, the presence of the devil, if you're not saved. Just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Uh, everybody's getting a resurrected body. Everybody's getting a resurrected body. Everybody will see heaven once, but not everybody will say. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus gives a warning. It's an end time warning, but it's, it's, the whole chapter 7 is an end time warning. But chapter 7, verse 21, let me tell you, in the military, this is something different between civilian and military uh, tech data. If you're going to change your car tire, It'll, it'll give you all these instructions. At the very beginning, we don't read the beginning anyway, it'll say, warning, make sure the car is on a level service, it's in park, blah, 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 before you jack it up. Because the warning, regardless of where you are, means if it's not done right and if something could go wrong, somebody's either going to get hurt or serious property damage. That's what a warning is. Caution. I mean, there's an actual meaning for all those warnings and stuff. And, and so with that, in the Air Force tech data, one of the things I like about it, It'll tell you the warnings at the beginning, right before you to do the step that's dangerous. It's a big black box. Warning. Sometimes it's red. Warning. If you do not do this, you will die. I mean, basically, is what it says. Back to chapter 7, 21, needs to be one of those warnings. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear what I just said? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, look at said. And then there's the argument there. But Lord, this is a Revelation 20. That's exactly where that fits with that. But Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did this in your name. You know, we did this in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We fed the hungry in your name. We did all these things in your name. And Jesus says, get away from me, you lawless. And they were put into the hell. There's just bottom line of the story. You're gnashing teeth. And, uh, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, your heart will be the judge. God will judge your heart on the day of judgment. You can fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool God. How important is it to know whether or not you're storing treasures in heaven or on earth? That is a question between you and God. That is a serious question between you and God. Let me, uh, I'm trying to run a little short here. Uh, treasure, treasure, the word treasure is to set away for another day. Treasure means to set away for another day. Uh, rich means to have an abundance of. And so he uses this in a backwards term. There's actually an English uh, term for that. So when he says lay... So, so he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God, meaning the person is morally bankrupt. Obviously, he has money, so he's not, he's not that problem. He's morally bankrupt. So put your whole life, I cannot under, underestimate this, put your whole life into, uh, into God's hands. Take your investments, take your savings account, take your house, you can take your spouse, just don't bring them to the, the house over there or leave them at the church or your kids, and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with them? Today, they belong to you. Today, 
I belong to you. Do with me as you will. Will I have abundance? Great. If I have nothing, great. But go along. Today, I give everything to you. And, and so, because going along, what good does it do if we say, if we have, if we have everything in this world, but we lose our soul? What good is it? Do you realize, again, I, I bring this up, life, life is, you know, one chapter, one verse, one, one, one chapter or something in the Bible. You know, if you're going to look at it, you know, just five or six lines. That's 80, 90 years compared to eternity. So what good is it to have all the neat stuff in this world today and lose your soul? Lose your soul. Paul, we're going to jump forward to communion now. Paul tells us the whole chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, but we don't have time for all that. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let him, but man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks in judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. I will do a sermon. I got working on a sermon coming up on the importance of communion. I love communion. Because communion does one thing for us real quick. Many of them didn't like the candle. Well, they did. Many hold the, the, the communion cloth down with lit candles. Does he not know the way in? Candy takes all the candles and matches out of the house before she leaves. simple meaning of communion is to remember that God has paid the price for your sin. Treasure. Treasure. The definition of treasure is to store up for another day. To use somewhere else. And what we do today is being stored up in heaven for the day. We're not just going to go to heaven and sit there and sing and, and, and sit on a, on a cloud and play on a harp. Just have just a whole and have little wings to flap around there. That's just not going to happen, people. So what we do today, we're stored up for heaven. Good or bad? The only the good is going to be there, though, but so go along. Where is God's treasure? Real quick, where, where does God store his treasure? Where? In us. Praise the Lord. Right answer right there. You are God's treasure. You are God's treasure. How much did he pay for you? This is my body, which is broken for you. Being whipped for the crime was not enough. How many of us got whipped as a child and did the same thing over again? <laughs> there had to be a blood sacrifice there had to be a death because the Abraham code at the beginning of time this is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins it's been paid 
Here's the point with communion I want you to understand today. Jesus is inviting you into the Holy of Holies. And when we study the priests, they had to go through this purification ritual to get in. When they sent those people, no, they went through a purification ritual to get into the Holy of Holies. So we're going to ask if we do communion, I know we're running a little late here, as we ask if we do communion, you're going to come this way. Instead of coming around now, I want you to come in the middle. I'm going to need two, two other people to serve communion with me. And the band crowd, uh, the music crowd, if you can come start now. Stop here for a second because we're going to say this point on is the Holy of Holies. From here to here up is the Holy of Holies. Are you really prepared to enter into the presence of Jesus? There's the question are you prepared to enter into the presence of Jesus? Examine yourself. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father. I ask you to bless this bread to be your body. I ask you to bless this juice to be your blood. That as we come and we stand in your very presence today, Lord, and receive you into us, that you will transform us into you. And Lord, we ask for this in the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who is helping me with communion, Jeff? I need, uh, I get you two. I'm going to need I'm going to do something a little bit there, but let's get the music people going. The body of Christ broken for you. Blood of Christ poured out for you. Body of Christ broken for you. Hope you got the body of Christ. Go ahead. What I want you to do is to come forward down the middle. You'll come to me, and I will give you the body. If you sit on that side, go with Andy, sit on this side, go with Jeff, and come and receive the body. But examine yourself. Are you prepared to sin and hold me alone? Because God is looking at you. Come forward now for communion. Good news is you're forgiven of your sins.
way in which God loves us. You come to the unforeseen kiss. You'll think about when you were dating your spouse and you know, the, the, the romance there. God still has that romance for you and me. The, the, the marriage has not gotten old. The, the relationship's not gotten old to God. It's as fresh as it was the first day we confess our sins to Jesus. Oh, how he loves us. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, I have done nothing to deserve your love. But yet you still love me. And you still love everyone here that's here today, Lord. You love us. We could never pay back the love. We could never love you enough to feel the wow of love that you have for us. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to forgive us of our sins. Examine us. Help us that we start turning our lives or we start living a life that's just fully enveloped around you, that you are fully enveloped. And Lord, as we go forth into the world, we go to Bible studies, we go do what, whatever's next on our agenda. Lord, that we do it in a way that somebody will notice that you are living inside of us. And we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, the whole church said, Amen. Before you break, we have somebody's last Sunday. I was told not to make the cry, so I waited for the very end. <laughs> so before you leave, tell them what a wonderful job we need about.